Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Wow, did you see his hair? (laughs) Gotta love that guy. Thank you, Pastor Michael. Thank you, everyone that makes this possible. You know, you don't realize what goes into a Sunday service until you actually have to do it. These guys, pastors, have made it look so easy for so many years. Trust me, it's not as easy as they make it look. Well, we're going to continue on with the emotion series, and today we're going to deal with anger. So look at your neighbor and say, uh, we're going to look at some of those deep-rooted anger issues. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? So far, I'm not doing so well. Did a lot better at 9 o'clock. Many of us view anger in a negative light. Uh, some of us have actually used anger in negative ways. Uh, not me. That would be guys like Pastor Mike and that. Just so you know, I, I don't use anger in a negative way anymore. Because, you know, before I might have had that, but not anymore. The fact is anger is both a positive and a negative emotion. It really comes down to the circumstances on how we process it, whether it becomes sin or not. Feeling anger, of course, is not sin, but how we handle it, again, is sin. Our behaviors and our beliefs are learned from our experiences as we walk through our life. We experience different events in our day-to-day life that causes us to see similar circumstances and possibly a radar to go off that says, I'm going to get hurt here. Feelings of fear and shame are quite uncomfortable. They make us feel vulnerable. Anybody feeling vulnerable? Okay, well, we'll we'll open that up. And they cause us to want to stay in control. Now, there's nobody here that controls and there's nobody that has anger. I think I might be talking to the wrong service. Well, I'll talk to myself in the meantime. We tend to avoid these feelings in any way that we can. So fear and sadness really are like a radar system. Boop, 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 boop. And it's going off, and it's always measuring up all around us. That person, oh, he looks all right. Well, oh, yeah, that guy back there in a Maple Leaf jersey, trouble. Just saying. So what anger does for us is it provides a surge of energy and it allows us to feel more in control, like taking a shot at a Maple Leaf fan. (laughs) Essentially, anger becomes a means of creating a safe condition for us. So we're going to be looking at anger in different forms today, and our goal is that you would understand if there's anything or any unhealthy anger measures that you're using in your life, or at least you have a better understanding of it today. Before we do that, We spent hours, weeks, researching this video just for this topic, just for this day. This is going to, if we, if you pay attention, if you listen to everything on this video, we probably don't have to talk anymore. So could you play that video now? We all have times in our lives when we get frustrated and we must accept the fact that anger is an emotion we will often experience on this earth. But make no mistake, anger is a sin. As Christians, we are never under any circumstances allowed to get angry at a person or situation. We are supposed to smile and stay calm and pray for God to smite the people that inconvenienced us. But we cannot express ourselves and our frustrations in any manner other than cheery and happy, ever. Anger is one of the many banned emotions that Christians are forbidden to have, along with sadness, doubt, and boredom. Basically, we are not supposed to feel anything other than joy. So if you feel anger creeping up on you, make sure you bottle it up and bury it deep down inside yourself so that you won't be guilty of getting angry. These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Now we'll bring in a little reality. So what do you think of, the first thing you think of when you hear the word anger? Does it look something like this? 
In the Webster's Dictionary, anger is defined as hostile feelings because of opposition, a hurt. Wikipedia, the emotion anger, also known as wrath or rage, is an e intense emotional state. It involves a strong, uncomfortable, and hostile response to a perceived provocation, hurt, or threat. Google Dictionary, the noun, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. The verb, fill someone with anger, provoke anger in. Now, some of my favorite synonyms for the verb are make someone's blood boil, rub the wrong way, ruffle someone's feathers, mad, crazy, drive up the wall, get someone's goat, or to bug, or to tick off. The opposite, calm, cheer, delight, happiness, pleasure, love, joy, glee, just like we saw in the video, that we're supposed to be happy, cheerful, gleeful all the time as a Christian. Praise the Lord, how are you today? Everything's wonderful, everything's fine. Well, you know what? We're not mechanical robots, and the truth is, we have emotions, and they're all given by God. All of the emotions, right? So the reality of it is, we're going to get down today and talk about some real things about anger. Yeah, amen. So the Mayo Clinic, briefly, causes of anger. There's many common triggers for anger, such as losing your patience. Yeah, maybe. Feeling as if your opinions or efforts aren't appreciated. Yeah, kind of some disrespect and injustice. Other causes of anger include memories of traumatic or enraging events and worrying about personal problems. Your personal history feeds your reactions to anger as well. It's very interesting how God works. Anybody ever notice that? So Friday, I'm doing my research still. As you can see, like... Uh, this is our first message for Sunday. We'll probably never prepare that many notes ever again because we're never going to get to that many, but it was better to have more than not enough, I guess, right? So just bear with us. Um, Friday, I open up MLB.com. I follow baseball, right? So anybody ever hear of the New York Yankees? Ever hear of them? I guess there's some sort of baseball team that are pretty good. I don't know. So the manager of the New York Yankees is named Aaron Boone. Anybody know that? Wow, I'm really smarter than you guys, aren't I? That's probably why I'm here. Anyway, Aaron Boone is uh, managing his team against Tampa Bay on Thursday, and they're blowing out, well, they're not blowing out Tampa Bay, but they're beating them pretty good, 6-2, to two, and the Yankees are all arguing about the strike zone. They're all arguing over balls and strikes. Well, if anybody knows anything about baseball, you don't do that with an umpire. That's pretty much asking, could you please toss me out? Because you start arguing balls and strikes, and you're asking for it. So anyway, he gets tossed out, and he goes up to the umpire, and I wish I would have loaded the video, because if you could have seen the facial expressions of the poor umpire, he's just a young guy, he's a rookie umpire, and they're just, he's just yelling at him, he's swearing at him, he's using profanities at him, and you could see the muscles in his face just clinching from him, like he's just listening, like he can't respond, you could tell he just probably wanted to just smack him, right? But he can't, because he's an umpire. You guys are looking at me funny. I'm sorry, but sometimes we have these thoughts, and if I'm the only one who has the thought that maybe I like to smack them, maybe I am in the wrong service. But I don't think I am, honestly. I really don't. <laughs> just saying, just saying. So anyways, what I really want to point out is some of the things that he said after he, he actually bumped him as well, so he got a one-game suspension for bumping him. It's interestingly enough, the swearing wasn't why he got the suspension. He bumped the umpire is why he got the suspension. You live and you learn. Hopefully it doesn't change who I am too much, Boone said. I'm trying to live my life a certain way that hopefully people for the most part can look up to and respect. Well, there's some sort of contradiction there when you go out in the middle of 40,000 people and you start acting like a raving maniac, don't you think? In baseball, it's allowed if you're the manager. It's interesting because part of his reasoning for doing it was because he was protecting his team or other players from getting thrown out. But we legitimize our anger sometimes, don't we? Well, you know, if you didn't do that, I wouldn't have to do this. 
you know, that really shouldn't, you really shouldn't do that. Anyways, I'm going to get, get into that in a second here. So anyways, I had some choice words, and they weren't great, especially in a public setting where kids are going to get a hold of that. So you're not necessarily proud of that stuff, but also we're playing for a lot. So a baseball game is justification for anger, a justification for doing whatever I want. Well, I think the Bible contradicts that, but for whatever reason in Major League Baseball, that's okay. I have a responsibility, obviously, so anytime in the heat of the game or something, you go off a little bit, you wish you could have done things a little differently, Boone said, but it's happened now and hopefully we can all just move on. Well, let me tell you something about anger. It leaves a mark. And I'm, I'm a living proof of someone that experienced anger from a very young age in a crib that carried around beliefs that I was no good, that I was rotten, that I was never going to amount to anything. I was a rotten, no good. You could probably put some of Aaron Boone's descriptions in there. And what it did was it affected me. And some of you know what I'm saying. Some of you may have heard that too growing up. And you understand that it affects us. It's like this stench comes on us that we didn't ask for. It's projected onto us. And we didn't ask for it, but yet we got to live with it after the fact. So anger is never just part of the game. Anger is never just something we do because it seems right at the moment. Anger is nothing, something we do just because they expect me to. There's a way to properly handle anger, and God's way is that. So we're going to look at some of those here as we go through this. Before I do, i got to throw a ball. <laughs> that wasn't angry, just so you know. I want to talk about the three forms of anger and how they come out. And I'm actually... Uh, using my research off a website called CR Education, Conflict Resolution Education.net, if you're interested. So under aggressive behavior, what they've done is they've kind of defined it as a verbal way it comes out, and then as a nonverbal way. Well, what's a nonverbal way? It's how I act it out, my hands, my actions, my fists. Anyways, I'm getting ahead of myself. One of the verbal ways is... Shut up. Get lost. You'll be sorry. You'll be sorry. And you'll be sorry. Not you, Pastor Brian. You're good. <laughs> Some of them are nonverbal cues are finger pointing, glaring, arms crossed. How about invasions of personable space? You know what? You just got to stop this or else I'm going to just hey, get back here. I'm talking to you. Why don't you get back here? Why are you always running away when I want to talk? You never want to talk. Anybody ever seen one of those? How about widening in the stance? It's a posturing, isn't it? It's like saying, go ahead, make my day. But you better ask yourself, do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> How about our hands on our hips? Oh, I love this one. This would be a good time for a ball. Nice throw. How about one of these? Fingers clenched in a fist. Or how about I yell? Or how about I don't? <laughs> Anger expressed in this way is directed at the other person to hurt him or her emotionally, Physically, psychologically, yelling put-downs and hitting are examples of aggressive anger. Next is passive anger. In the verbal form, it says, oh, I'm really sorry to tell you this. This is bad news. Please don't get angry and upset with me. In the nonverbal form, it looks like biting our lips or our tongue, looking away and down, folded arms, very soft voice, and a mouth behind a hand. If you guys would all just kind of be nice to me, I could probably get this message out. And I'm really sorry that I have to be this way. An apologetic tone. Person internalizes the expressions of anger, 
when he or she avoids dealing with the situation that contributed to the feelings of anger in the first place. The anger can then be expressed getting even, holding a grudge. I'll fix that person. Being mean at some time in the future. Spreading nasty rumors. Oh, who doesn't like a nasty rumor? Come on, we're a church. <laughs> Not speaking to that person. Damaging property. They can all be examples of passive anger. And then the next form is probably the healthiest. It's assertive anger. It's the proper way. You know, I feel like you guys are all looking at me. Well, that's because I'm up here, dummy. Oh, I'm not a dummy. I'm angry about that. That really bothers me. You know, I don't understand why we always end up here. And a non-direct, uh, a non-verbal, it means that we can look the person in the eye and not have invasive contact. You know how people are having problems in their life? They don't look you in the eye. Go have a conversation with somebody that's really struggling. You know, I just wish I could get this right. Well, maybe you should start looking me in the eyes and we'll try. Because we don't want them, we don't want people to see inside us as though that matters. They see our behavior as though it's exactly telling our whole story. But we think avoiding eye contact actually helps us to hide somehow. How about modulated voices? Uh, if I talk to you, there's actually, we've, we've taken some counseling training and we've actually, we're, we're not counselors, mind you, but talking to people in a calmer, lower voice actually helps them to open up to you. It actually de-escalates their, their arousal. In other words, what happens when anger comes in, our brain takes us in a different place. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Using illustrated, uh, using illustrated gestures. That's a good one. By the way, we don't want the balls back. Keep them. How about a tall, relaxed position? In Lisa Bevere's book, Be Angry But Sin Not, she talks about when emotion is suppressed because it's not validated, it will eventually be expressed inappropriately. If we do not handle the emotions properly, we'll express them wrongly. If an emotion is, is expressed without restraint, sin is likely to follow. And the real bottom line to it is we learn to express anger inappropriately. You're up. Come with me for a moment to the book of Genesis, chapter 4. And I'm going to talk about anger. I actually made it past the first row this time. Cain and Abel. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man! Exclamation mark. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected or downcast, sad. So, Cain and Abel both brought offerings to the Lord. The Lord accepted Abel's. Abel's was the first fruits. It was his best. Cain didn't bring his best. Do we sometimes do that? Are we sometimes guilty of not bringing our best to the Lord, of not giving our best? So if Cain didn't bring his best to the Lord, then what did he do with it? Did he spend it on himself? I wonder. Do we sometimes do that? I wonder. But God did not accept Cain and his gift. Cain became very angry and sad. Now, Cain knew to do good, but he didn't do it. 
His own disobedience led to his experiencing that anger toward God and his brother, and even some sadness, some self-pity. Verse 6, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. Now here, God's given him an out. You will be accepted if you do what is right. He still had the opportunity to bring an acceptable sacrifice with an acceptable heart to the Lord. So he had no excuse for his anger. God's giving him that opportunity. Then God continues, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So God didn't rebuke Cain for experiencing anger, but he warned him, if you don't deal with it, the disobedience, the anger, the negative emotions, if you don't deal with it, it's going to lead to sin. Cain sounds like he had some hurt going on there too. Hurt is a combination of fear, sadness, and anger. And with hurt, you can be experiencing one of those emotions one week, another in the next week, and another next. So you can be really, really angry one week, and the next week kind of sad and depressed, and then at another time very fearful. You also can, be, it can experience two emotions at the same time. How many of you are so good at knowing what you're feeling that you can recognize when you're experiencing more than one emotion? Brian's going to, shortly, he's going to be talking about primary and secondary emotions. So Cain did not respond to God's questions in verse 6. He didn't accept what God said and adjust his attitude. Cain ignored God. But in verse 7, God warned him that sin would control him. It was crouching at the door. He was to put it under, though. Now, I want you to think about it for a minute. One moment of anger can change your life forever. One moment of anger, not properly expressed. It's been in there. It's been stewing. Something's been going on. Then all of a sudden, the cork comes off. Affects you. Affects others around you. All of a sudden, you wake up in the morning. What did I do? What have I done? My life is shipwrecked. God is merciful, and he will help you to deal with your circumstances if you bring it to him. But Cain ignored God and remained in that anger. And whatever you fear, whatever you give hatred to, whatever you're really angry about, you give it control. Now it is the one that's controlling you. So fear, anger, resentment, you give power to it, then it's controlling you, which means at that point, sin is now controlling you. You are not controlling it. How many times have you been angry with God? You know, let's let God off the hook today. You might pray and say, you know, that prayer didn't turn out the way I wanted. You know, I've been praying for this for years and believing God for this for years. Blame, blame, blame God like it's his fault. You know, we kind of got to look at ourselves. We're the common denominator here. How about being angry with a family member or someone else at church? We get this idea sometimes that if somebody gets blessed, they've used it all up and there's none left for the rest of us. I mean, really? Don't you think God's a little bigger than that? There's a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And in there, he talks about scarcity of success. Guess what? There isn't any. There's enough success to go around. Whatever area you're called to, whatever you're doing, it's, success can be different for different people. But there's no scarcity of it. And there's no shortage of God's blessings either. Rejoice when someone is blessed. 
He's got lots. Amen. Thank you. So verse 8, one day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So how long was a time period between when God did not accept Cain's gift to when he slew Abel? How long did the anger, the sadness, the depression, how long did that burn? What is that period of time? Could it have been a day? A month? A year? How about yourself? Do you have some of that anger that's kind of fuming and burning towards someone? Something that you have not dealt with? Cain slew his brother in this fit of rage and anger. But he said to him, come on, let's go out into the field. Oh, so they went out there and walked and talked. Premeditated, perhaps? It's the first murder recorded in the Bible. Verse 9, afterward the Lord asked Cain, where's your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's keeper? Hello, you just killed your brother and you know where the body's hidden. Now he's lying to God. So he's angry, disobedient, and now he's lying. Hello. It's a good setup for something to happen. That's not good. Verse 10. But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Verse 13, Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment is too great for me to bear. You have banished me from the land and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me is going to kill me. He just killed his brother, and now he's like, oh, this punishment is just too great for me to bear. Everyone who sees me, they're going to want to kill me. This can be interpreted as his crying out to God, is my sin too great to be forgiven? This may be, in the Dakes, it says, this is the first recorded remorse. So was his remorse... Like, I want to make this right, God. Like, I'm sorry for what I've done. Was it remorse because he got caught? And his circumstances now are extremely difficult. There was a curse on the ground, a further curse on the ground. And his occupation of tilling the ground has now become even harder. So his circumstances that came out of anger affected his whole family, affected his future life. And it cut off Abel's inheritance and future generations from coming forth. It was very, very serious. Of course, when you're angry, you don't see anything but yourself. But verse 15, the Lord replied. So now Cain is crying out, everybody who sees me is going to want to kill me. And the Lord says, no. For I, have given a, I have, for I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Verse 15 is showing the mercy of God. Now there is a divine intervention. And he's saying, no, I'm going to put a mark on you. That's going to be worse if someone kills you. There was no death penalty at this point because there was not yet a law against murder. This was the first murder. But how many of us find ourselves in very, very hard circumstances because of not being able to manage our emotions? If you go from zero to 60, like with anger, really, really quickly, 
there's a good chance, well, there's something that's going on. And it's a good idea to speak to a professional. Someone knows, someone who knows how to work with you with emotions, who can go through, go back to your past and can talk about things that have happened to you so that you can effectively deal with this because God wants you to be free from the pain of whatever is causing you to cheer whatever is causing you to lash out or to be hurt to hurt yourself okay Brian I don't like that am I on yeah I'm on okay so I'm going to just briefly explain secondary uh, what the heck she did it why can't I yeah secondary anger in uh, primary anger. So secondary anger is really triggered by some other emotion. That's what it means. And most of the time it's fear-based. A lot of time fear leads to shame, which causes us to use anger because when we use anger, we have to feel, we don't feel any other emotions. Anger is our strongest, one of the strongest emotions we'll ever use. And we don't have to feel anything else if we use anger. So why do you think it's so attractive to us? Why do you think we keep going back there? You think it's just because we got up today and said, you know, I'm having a bad hair day. I'm going to be angry. No, it's doing something for us. So, you know, would you just repeatedly do something that's wrong for you or you're not getting some sort of benefit out, even though it is wrong, anger is wrong. It's providing a momentary relief of pain is really what it's doing. I'm going to talk a little more about that in some different aspects of it. But primary anger is really about the righteousness or against indignation and is really stirred against injustice. So primary anger is kind of like this stirring that kind of starts and it kind of builds and all of a sudden we got motivation and next thing you know we're maybe saying things to people or, not, or doing things that we may not have taken that opportunity to do. So what it means is God's probably behind it and he's leading us. One of the characteristics would be we're not in rage. We have a conviction. We have strength and a purpose. We feel good after it's accomplished. So after we've faced that injustice, there's a reward that we experience for that. That's usually what primary anger is when it's done in the right manner. So now, I'm going to throw a ball out. What the heck? Whoop. I feel like I'm in uh, the trop or whatever that Tropicana field there. They got those domes with all the rings. Anybody play baseball? But anyways, so I'm going to genocide you right now. Is that okay? No. I'm going to speak to men. <laughs> oh, here, have a ball. Hope. <laughs> Throw like my. Oh, never mind. I almost said something. I would. Men, 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 men. Okay. As men, guess what? We're performance driven. A lot of times, performance is more important than relationship for us as men. You guys are looking at me a little angrily, but that's okay. We're going to deal with it, and I'm here, and you're down there, and I got ushers that will jump in just in case you're thinking of something, but you're not. What that means when we live in performance-oriented behavior is that we are really subconsciously fearing that we're not good enough. Do you know that every man at some time in his life has to be released into manhood. And if you fear that you're not good enough, guess where you're going to stay stuck? Because subconsciously we believe we're not good enough, that we'll never amount to anything, that we don't have what it takes. Why do you think the attraction to armies where people can go and charge up a hill with 80,000 bullets flying at their head is an attraction to people? Because it proves to men that we have what it takes. And a lot of times, we're stuck trying to prove ourselves. And when we can't prove ourselves, we can never measure up. Anger comes in because there's a, there's a real pain to that lie that I'm not enough or I'll never be good enough. I live with that pain of not being ever good enough for 44 years, probably a little more. Been saved now for 15 years I've been here. It can still trigger in me with the right circumstances and the right tone and the right person says something to me. 
I wish I wasn't here teaching on anger, but I think God had a plan. I've had struggles in the last couple years myself, and I've learned some things. So I'm going to just briefly go over this. I'm going to try and share with you what I've learned, and we'll wrap this up. Is that fair? Okay. Anger temporarily helps us create extra energy that we need to perform better and to be in control. When we're in control, we don't have to feel pain. Anybody all about not feeling pain? We're, we're like that as humans. I don't know if you know that. I don't believe I don't. I don't know if anybody gets up in the morning, yeah, it's a good morning, bring on the pain. <laughs> if you do get up like that, maybe we should talk and, you know, we might be able to find some people to talk to you and maybe help you with that. Anger actually tells us that we're faster, stronger, but most importantly, I'm right and you're wrong. You just don't get it. When I'm angry, it doesn't matter what you say to me. It doesn't matter how you say it to me. You're not getting through to me. Because anger shuts off my prefrontal cortex, my brain just can't process that. I, I kind of find it hard to believe that. I could be wrong anyways, but... Okay, I was joking. There's a couple things I want to leave you, a couple points here. Um, I don't advise you going up to an angry person and saying to them, you're angry. Doesn't work well. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? Okay, doing all right. Another thing I don't advise, I don't advise you going up to an angry person and say, calm down, you're angry. That don't work too well either. Telling somebody that's angry to calm down just doesn't work. Let's leave it at that. A lot of times, as men, we're looking for ways to isolate. What's that mean? I don't have to be around people. I don't, be, I don't have to be reminded of that lie that I might not be good enough. If I can get off on my own, if I can be in my space and do my thing, I don't have to feel how bad I really feel about myself. Whoa, it got quiet in here. So what happens? We go to work. And we work. And we work. And we make a nice living. And you know what? We come home, and what's our wife say? You know what? you got to take the garbage out. I told you this morning take the garbage out. You didn't take the garbage out. Why didn't you take the garbage out? Meanwhile, I just worked 16 hours, and I just worked myself to the bone. But in the meantime, all I'm hearing is I'm a failure because I didn't take the garbage out. Well, come on. You guys, some of you know what I'm saying. Or how about... You didn't paint that wall. That wall, I've been after you for four months to do that. When are you going to do that? Or how about that tap that's leaking? Well, call Brian. He's a plumber. But I, that's me. <laughs> so what is communicating as much as you want it done as, as the woman of the house to the man of the house is that I'm a failure. So how do I handle it? Why don't you just mind your own business? And by the way, that floor ain't clean. And by the way, those windows need to be done. And the kids' clothes are dirty. And you should have done this. And you should have done that. And you should have done that. And guess what? Next thing you know, we've got World War III going on right in our own households, don't we? Because we're triggering one another by the things that we say. And what it really is doing, it's like sandpaper. You guys are looking at me funny. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever experienced that. I kind of doubt that. I've got to watch my time here. So Jesus was angry. I can't, I'm going to break that up in just a minute here. I'm going to skip over that. There's a couple things that I've really learned dealing with my anger in the last couple of years, and I had to go for outside help, I'll be honest with you. Anger is like an alarm. What does that mean? Well, we have a building alarm here. And if somebody comes in and key fobs in and the building's armed, the alarm goes off. There's absolutely no threat to the building. In fact, the person that's in the building has authorization to get in. He's got a key fob, right? But he doesn't have or didn't or forgot to put the code into the alarm. The alarm's gone off. So what does that mean? Well, we usually just call a security company or reset the alarm some form. It's not a real big deal, is it? But what if somebody is out there creating vandalism and throws a rock through the window. Same alarm. Maybe we have to call some police in. Maybe we have to call some other people in. Maybe they are intent on doing damage. So we got to call outside help in. 
And then maybe they come in with a real life-threatening sentence, an angry fist or maybe some sort of weapon, and they want to do harm to us. We have to get some legal authorities involved. So what I'm saying to you is, how do you distinguish that alarm when it first goes off? You've got to check it out. You've got to diagnose it. How do you diagnose anger? Well, the most important step is to ask, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? If you can't understand what you're feeling, and by the way, anger will tell you that you're completely right at first, so you need people to be able to speak into your life to even help you process it, because when you're angry, in a real fit of anger, it can take days sometimes. It takes hours, for sure, to calm down. So I can't see the truth, and I'll tell you, when I've just had an angry fit, come back to me about an hour later and say one, of the, one wrong thing, kaboom. You guys are looking at me funny. None of you have ever experienced this, right? None of you ever experienced that. Okay, so maybe I'm the only one that has that problem, but I kind of doubt that, but anyway. Um, the reality of it is we have to do and take some measures and take some steps. I want to talk to you about three triggers of anger, and we'll wrap this up. Is that fair? Good enough. One of the triggers is when we are hurt or we feel hurt, real or perceived. It invokes the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism in our uh, bodies or our brains. And basically, what it, what it does is it reinforces those lies that I was talking about, that I'm no good, that I'm rotten. I'll never amount to anything. So when that trigger goes off, guess what happens? I'm no good. I'm rotten. Well, let me tell you. If I can do this, you can do this. We're going to talk about that in a second. How about when we wanted something? And we didn't get it. Wow. That wasn't angry, just so you know. It can lead to betrayal trauma. People should have protected us and cared for us, but they weren't there for us. Guess what we believe then? I'm in this alone. Nobody cares about me. I'm no good for nothing. And some of you know what I'm saying. I live these lies. I believe these lies. And this is real, what I'm telling you. How about when you feel, this, the third one is when you feel trapped or manipulated, when you feel pressured or you feel constrained by any circumstance, whether it be a job, marriage, or just family. You know, we all need our independence. We all need to go out and live our lives, and we need to make our mistakes. One of the biggest things I learned coming to this church, and actually through Genesis, was it was okay to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake. Come on, somebody should be happy about that. Because for me, a mistake meant I was no good. It meant punishment. It meant verbal beatings, or it meant physical beatings, or it meant emotional harm or pain. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'm just here to tell you today, some of you need to know it's okay to make mistakes. We have a saying in Celebrate Recovery, no perfect people allowed. And we reinforce that week after week. Ask anybody that's been there. We just make mistakes just because we can. And it's okay. Because you know what? No perfect people allowed. God doesn't come, doesn't, is not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us because he sees something in you. And I'm telling you, God sees something in every one of you. Okay, maybe that didn't work. I'm going to try over here. I'm not feeling any love over here. God sees something in you. And you. And you. And you. Amen. Wow, that felt good. It wasn't anger. So, you know. What did I do with my phone? I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up on this note. You're going to need to come up here soon. Matthew, 21. Anybody ever hear him? Verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 12. Jesus used his anger in a righteous way. Bible says, Jesus went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money, uh, of the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. 
And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So he goes in and he cleans the place out, right? Looks like he was pretty angry in John 2.17. He says it was passion and zeal for God's house that drove him to do it. My question is, where's your passion? Where's your zeal? Because you know what? Just take a look down at yourself. You're God's house. This is not new. You're God's temple. What are you allowing to go on in your temple? I think it's a worthwhile question because I had to ask that. I didn't like what I seen. But I had to do and I had to take some chances and I had to take and I had to make some changes. But here's the good news about cleaning temples. If you look at verse 14 in, in Matthew, he says, Then the blind and the lame came in the temple, and guess what happened? He healed them! That's the good news! And God's here to heal you today, too. He healed me. He can do it for you. Well, some of you ought to be a little more cheerful about that, I'll tell you. You know, we've had some laughs. I know it's been a pretty deep and serious subject. I know anger can be very hurtful. I've lived it. And I sense some of you have lived it. And that's okay because I believe today is your day. I believe God wants to do something in each and every one of us today to help us to heal that unhealthy emotion of anger. I believe God's here to touch your heart in only the way that he can. These are my notes, aren't they? Yeah. It's been fun. But you know what? The work's not done. Many times I've ran or tried to run. Not so easy when you live here. God has a way of keeping you where he needs you, doesn't he? He knew what I needed. Many of us fear correction because we view it as embarrassment. But Proverbs, I think I put too much information together, but I'll be, I'll be better at this if I ever get another opportunity. It says in Proverbs 3.11, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Hebrews 12.5 says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. Look at your neighbor. Say, we're his children. He said, my child, don't let light, don't make light of God's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. You know what? You're not going to get this perfect. You can try if you want. It's going to cause you a lot of anger and frustration. Some of you guys are angry at yourself. Because I know I, I, when, I, when, when anger hit me and I knew better and I couldn't do better, I felt I am that failure. I am no good. It just kept reinforcing it and kept reinforcing it. I'll never be any good. I'll always be rotten. If you have been moved at all by this, I invite you down to the altar. I invite you to search your heart right now as we get ready for communion. God, is there anything in my heart if I've spoken or Karen has spoken anything that has affected you, come, come. Get prayer. There's going to be teams down here after. They'd love to pray for you. But don't, don't live another day in regret. Because you know what? I forgot to show you guys. These are the official socks of an angry person. They go around. And where's uh, Rashad here today? No? Rashad, he was kind of making a fashion statement, so I thought this would be a good fashion statement because this is what an angry person does. He goes around and says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Just saying, sorry. That's a passive anger. But I want to, come on down, come. It's okay. Come. Where's our, we don't have a musician. Oh, well, we don't need a musician. Oh, we do? Oh, you can play, please. This is our first time doing Sunday service, so you'll have to just kind of bear with us. Thank you. 
See, Jesus had to get rid of the clutter in the temple. And I feel there's some of you that have a lot of clutter in your temple here today as well. But here's the place to leave it. You're in the right place. You're amongst friends and you're amongst people that love one another. You know, for, for the longest time I heard people say to me, you know, you're really loved here and it just meant absolutely nothing to me because I couldn't receive it because there was such a, an anger that had me so walled in that I thought they were just telling me that because they wanted something from me because that's the way my mind worked. And God's wanting to take us out of that. If he can take me out of that, he can take you out of it. It's what he wants today. I believe it's a day of miracles here. I believe it's a day that we need to come with expectations, believing that God doesn't want us to stay in that place. So, Father, I just pray right now that you would touch every heart and heart. I'm asking you to break down any of the walls that keep them in that world of self-hatred. Some of us are angry at ourselves. Unforgiveness, bitterness, criticalness, rejection, abandonment, disappointment, betrayal, stress, frustration, offenses, regret, insecurity, and guilt, shame, or any hold that darkness, either known or unknown to them, Father, you would just break it now. Father, I just lift up the name of Jesus. I shatter and scatter those assignments over their minds, over their hearts, and over their beliefs. In Jesus' name, I command it to be loosed off them. In Jesus' name, I declare it done according to your word today, Daddy. Don't go another day in anger. It's not God's plan. So thank you. You're dismissed.